Hello there. Welcome. This is a special edition of To a Certain Degree called Odd Numbers. It's episode 18. Every other Monday, my guest and I choose a theme, we play some music, and we chat. Do we always stay on topic? Not quite. But it's always a fun talk, and I think you'll like it. The topic for this episode is the challenges you face when starting your passion project. And my guest is Nicole Dupre. To say that Nicole is passionate is an understatement. So the fact that her side hustle involves opera with all of its heated exchanges, burning desires, and fierce stories, that should be no surprise. That doesn't mean that getting Opera Del Sol up and running and keeping it going is easy. For more on this episode, please visit toacertaindegree.com and now, on with the show. The Postal Service on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers, an offshoot of To a Certain Degree. Every week I have a very special guest. This week is no exception. Nicole Dupre is here. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So we just listened to the Postal Service that was sleeping in, which neither of us are getting to do this morning. And hopefully nobody else is either. Oh, yeah. Everybody's awake right now, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure that's happening. I want to wish you the uh, happy uh, Memorial Day, a happy last day of Fringe, a kind of the first day of summer. Yeah, I guess. I mean, in many ways for people, uh, especially for people getting out of school. Right. Can we wear white now, right? Aren't you allowed to wear white after Labor Day? (laughs) 100%. Wait, not after Labor Day, but after Memorial Day. Oh, right. Okay. Always get those mixed up. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take, look. (laughs) And for those people who don't know, Nicole Dupre runs and established a couple of years ago, and we're going to talk about it uh, at length, Opera Del Sol. Yes. You can learn more at operadelsol.org. Their next event will be coming up in August. But if you, Nicole, if you know Nicole, if you, Nicole, <laughs> at all, I'm just going to, your, your name is now a verb, verb. <laughs> which means no Nicole. Uh, you know that she has a wonderful fashion sense. So I am going to take any fashion tips oh. you give me because obviously I can't dress myself. No, you look now, great. Very tried, Memorial Day. Thank you. So I went with three ascots and I thought, <laughs> you know, one wasn't enough. Right. Two is too many. So obviously three makes more sense. Exactly. And then uh, bell bottoms. They're making a comeback. Well, bell bottom shirt, which I think is uh, pretty <laughs> compelling and interesting. Sleeve, yeah. Sleeves. The sleeves and the end and the collar as well. So bell bottom collars, I think, are with the ascots. Perfect. I think uh, works out really well. I do too. And then Speedo. Duh. I mean, it's yeah. warm, you know, it's yeah. perfect. I, I, I'm ready to swim at any time or with all of the <laughs> ascots, rescue someone from a cliff. There you go. Yeah. You got so. it. All your bases covered. <laughs> Nicole, thank you again for coming in and putting up with me. This is Odd Numbers, so episode 18. Awesome. And we do more of a topics-based one. So you and I were talking about what could we do, and obviously something about Opera Del Sol. Uh, you and I were talking about it. I interviewed you for the Downtown Community Paper a couple months ago, and that'll be coming out probably in the July issue of that if you'd like to more learn more about Nicole. If you'd like to Nicole. <laughs> Uh, again, that is a verb now, so I apologize for that. But it's it's interesting because it's a passion project. So, you know, I have this show and I don't want to talk too much about myself because I hate doing that, which is weird because that's going to be one of the things that I want to talk about is, you know, that challenge of self-promotion. Right. And 
some of the things that you and I have come across in doing, you know, the, this radio show slash podcast slash live events for three years and now coming up on the two-year anniversary of Opera Del Sol, something that I'm sure was in the works well before that as well. Right. So, you know, we talk about when the Passion Project or when this new organization or business was started, but, you know, that might have been in the back of your head for years before that in terms of what you wanted to do. But some of the challenges that you face when doing a, a passion project, a side hustle, a whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think passion project is probably the most yeah. appropriate because side hustle implies that you're going to make money. Right, exactly. And a podcast or an opera company is probably, you know, you're going to reinvest back into the organization to make it bigger and better, right. especially with one that's so young. And uh, we're, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. Yeah. So, so really, literally, it's not about the profiting. Yeah. It's about, um, I'm sure, compensating your actors, your musicians, the people who are in the shows and doing all that sort of thing. Exactly. And then promoting the next show. Exactly. Yeah. Which is always on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Right. And, so two years in, mm-hmm. what have, what, uh, you know, I, let's start with one lesson that you've learned from doing this. <laughs> like you were maybe surprised by this or you're uh, still challenged by it and you're trying to overcome it? I think the biggest one that I'm still trying to learn is to ask for help. You know, I think that in in the beginning, when you're starting anything, you don't realize what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And then when you're learning things and you feel, and this is probably like another thing, like falling doesn't mean that you're failing, you know? And I just think the biggest thing that I'm starting to learn is there's so many things when you're starting, especially with Opera del Sol, it's something that hasn't been done before. You know, it's this immersive pop-up kind of um, new take on classical music that I'm trying to do. And so really there wasn't a template and there wasn't a guidebook. And and it's just really about taking chances. And um, when I don't know something, I, I think it's that matter of pride, you know, mm-hmm. you get and trying to get over that. Like you don't want to look vulnerable. You don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing because you feel that maybe you won't be respected or, or admired in a certain, in a certain way. But asking for help is, is the biggest challenge that I still, that I still face. And, and I'm learning along the way. Cause I mean, it, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. So that's interesting, too, because you're not with an arts group uh, or with a business, um, you know, as much as we'd like to believe that there's a handbook out there for how to do everything and how to start it up. There's not. You have to be on your feet. You have to be spontaneous. You have to roll with the punches on occasion. But you're not only doing that, you're starting something completely new. So this is not just a traditional opera company, Opera del Sol. This is something where you're trying to in many ways, introduce or reintroduce that style of music in a way that is new. Right. So those are additional, you know, so you're not just going to, when you do ask for help, you're not just going to uh, a musical organization or other nonprofits. You also have to go to, I think, a marketing agency and say, if I wanted to do some guerrilla marketing, how would I do this and those sorts of things? I Or even, you know, the the amount of paperwork and, and, and logistics that go behind, beyond things, you know, uh, grant writing, yep. you know, that's, and just how do you, how do you describe what you want to do? And, and, um, what's, what's your mission statement, making sure it really makes you kind of refocus and like to really, um, 
really put it out there. Like, what is it that you're trying to do? And when you start things, maybe you, you think you know what the end goal is, but as you're going, you realize, okay, well, maybe that's not where I want to be. And just trying to, you know, reel it back in and, and stay on, stay on track and, and just keep growing, I think. But like we just did um, on April 14th, we did this thing called Opera Aniola mm-hmm. and Never have I put together a mini music festival. It was a four-hour event, um, and you were, were with us. Yeah. But, I mean, 12 vendors, five food trucks, 17 singers and, and performers, and 17 miles of paperwork for the city of Orlando. You well, know what I mean? At, yeah, it was at Lake Eola. Yeah. It was at the amphitheater, mm-hmm. and you had to block it off. Um, while oh it was gosh. a free event, you did have some VIP tickets, so you still had to make sure that people were there for the event mm-hmm. and uh, because you also had the beer there as exactly. well. Exactly. And, I mean, just uh, the permitting and stormwater and, and paying for firefighters that, you know, might, didn't even come. But, you know, it was – it's there's so much, you know, and as a creative, I mean, I think as a passion project, I mean, I started out as a hair, makeup and wig designer. And so I've been backstage for 10 years and that's kind of where the whole idea came from, you know, of where, what I wanted to do with my organization. And so I think there was just a lot of, you didn't realize just 75% of it is not creative. Right. You know what I mean, it's the logistics and the planning and hiring and, and bookkeeping and, and all of that. And so in terms of advice you might give to somebody who's also thinking about, you know, doing an event, I want to close down a street. I want to do these sorts of things when it comes to dealing with government, let's say. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a position where you've done at least one of these events. Right. So now you're not necessarily a subject matter expert, but you know more than a lot of other people. Exactly. Is there anything that you would recommend or any approach? Like how early should people start when they're working on something like this? Were you like the day before still sweating the details in terms of the paperwork and all of that? Oh, oh yes, actually. Um, so, uh, well, maybe not necessarily the, the day before. So since this was on a Sunday, all the paperwork had to be in like a week a week before. So technically uh, the, a week before the Friday. So like 10 days before the event. And there was a particular like for the, the alcohol permitting. Mm-hmm. And there was something that we didn't realize like Teresa Smith Levin. She's, um, and that's another thing I learning to get a good team, you know what I mean? And a good partner. Um, we realized that, Oh, there was one form that we hadn't filled out that required three signatures from four different offices, but like what, three offices, but I went to the wrong one, two different buildings and it had to be notarized. Right. Like, and so we didn't realize until the Friday morning and it had to be done by like, 5 p.m. and it took me hours like I went to the government building they're like no you have to go to the third floor and then I go to the third floor and then of course you have to wait because it's like a government building and then then you have to go get that and then you had to go then I had to go to city hall and of course by then it was like lunchtime they weren't there I had to come back it was like then I had to run back to the government building get the third signature go and get it notarized get a cashier's check and it was like one of those oh my gosh like I don't know. It was just all over the place. Yeah. And I'm, and it was just a, one simple form. And I mean, literally there was like 20 papers and there was just this one, but it required so much to get it done. It was, I, and I thought I, if I don't get this done, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but and four o'clock. The, yeah. This is the day before your event. So there's a lot of other things you need to be doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. In terms of scheduling and arranging and mm-hmm. last minute stuff like this, of course. So then if you were to do this again, let's say next April, you're going to do another opera 
Yeah, uh, definitely. It's we learned a lot. I, I definitely want to do it again. How how soon or how far out would you start planning and doing all that stuff now this uh, time around? Um, probably in the fall. I think we'll start doing it again at least six months ahead of time. Okay. You know, there's certain forms that you you have to do within you know a few weeks prior. You know, you have to. I think the alcohol permitting and things you have to do closer to the event. Mm-hmm. But I mean just booking police officers, that was another thing that I didn't realize. Like police officers take, you need to hire them. If you're going to have an entrance for alcohol, you have to have a uh, police officer at the entrance or the exit. So, but then... Well, the entrance and the exit. Or excuse me, yeah. yes. And when you hire them, you, you actually, it's like a job posting and they take it as an extra job. So... The Friday before the event, I still didn't have any police officers pick it up. And actually there was like, so we had to actually offer more money. Like it was like, I didn't know that they, the police officers could like haggle their pay. Like mm-hmm. not that there's not that they don't deserve it, but you know, you post it and you're like, we well, are going to pay you X amount of dollars, you know, an hour. And they come back and they're like, nobody's picking it up. You should offer them $2 more an hour. So we offered them $2 more an hour. And then we got people that actually picked it up. Interesting. And that was something I didn't. I didn't realize that either, you know, or um, storm drain, like for the food trucks, Mm -hmm. like there's a special like um, form and paper that that has like the guidelines that you have to make sure that each food truck like reads it, you know, so they don't put their grease and oil down the drains or something. And I was like, so we had include that in our contracts with them. You know, like it was, there was a lot that we learned, but now, but now we have our contracts made that have all the things that we need to have in there. And now we have like a checklist again, a template and a guide, like a guidebook now on what to do. And I'm also going to do it earlier next year. Right. So that's the bigger thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I I think for many people, they might get frustrated with doing it the first time. Yeah, it was so hard. (laughs) And it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there was, and not only that, but you had to deal with some inclement weather the day of and some other Mm -hmm. stuff. But, you know, if you don't take any chances, then you're never going to get anywhere Anywhere. with whatever it is that you want to do. So Mm -hmm. I would say it's kind of the same thing for, you know, doing the podcast. I had to learn a lot about the technology. Not that it's all... You know, again, not that any of it's super difficult, right. but once you add it all up, like getting the files from here to turn it into a podcast, so I have to erase the music. And then what do I put in the place of music? So I got to record something there potentially. Is it music? And do I get the licensing for it or do I record something? Where do I record it? When do I record it? And then putting it all together, editing, uploading, all of those things. And there's so many things that I made more difficult for myself early on in the process that frustrated me to the point where I was putting off turning it into a podcast, Mm. right? And so you have to be able to find those things and maybe sometimes take a step back and see it with an outside lens and say, okay, is this really worth doing? Right. So for example, one of the things I used to do was listen to the entire podcast and then I would pick quotes out and write them out. So I would transcribe quotes from the podcast which is great. It looks great on, uh, you know, on a web page, but it took three to four hours per episode to do something like that. And so it was like, is, is anybody using it the way I'm thinking that they use it? Are they really going to go to that? They're going to see that quote and that's going to make them go to that time signature or that timestamp and then listen to that part. Mm. Just listen to the whole thing. Right. You know, all of last year I was turning every episode. I was basically uh, converting it to a half hour version so I would do an abridged version of the show, which is great in theory. But twice the work. 
exactly. Mm-hmm. And so was that really benefiting anybody to the point where it's worth doing on a regular basis? Right. So that is uh, something. But you, you hit on one thing that I wanted to talk about, too, is sort of this team idea. Mm-hmm. And do you have like an advisory board? We do. Yeah. We do. So I think that's important, too. And even if it's informal, even if you're doing something, you know, a nonprofit, I would think, needs have to, an advisory yeah. board. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing something like a podcast or you're writing a book or whatever that passion project is for you, there's always nice to go to somebody and hear stuff maybe you don't want to hear. Right. But is important to hear. Exactly. So I think I think in the arts world it's called um, killing your darlings or <laughs> don't get married to an idea, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Where you think it's the best idea ever and you have your blinders on mm-hmm. for whatever reason. It's not that you're a bad person. And it's often not even that your ego is involved. It's just like, this seems like the best way to get from A to B. Right. And so this is what I'm going to do. And then you turn it over to somebody else and say, hey, this is how I'm going to get from A to B. Does this make any sense? Right. Uh, maybe you don't ask it that way because that often sounds like negative. But, you know, is there a better way? Right. And be open to that idea. So having those, uh, that advisory board how has your interactions been with them so far? And has it been, you know, that beneficial sort of um, you learn from them, they learn from you uh, back and forth? So two years ago, um, Operadol stole, we started with, you know, like a board of uh, about 10 people. And then we kind of went on to eight because, you know, at first everybody's like, you know, you, I'm really good at getting people all excited, you know, so everybody's like all super excited. But then it was like, wait a second, this is a little bit, you know, your startup. So it, it requires a little bit more of my time. And so there were a couple of people that um, that couldn't stay on because of their schedules and everything. But then um, so for about a year, I guess a year um, or about 10 months or so, we we had that particular board. But then I really got to the point where it was operative. So it, it's more it was more than I could that I could do by myself. You know what I mean? I was the executive director and taking, you know, doing just about everything, you know? And so then it was, I got to the point where if I want to be successful, like I need to bring on a partner, like I need to do something because I I just can't, I I just physically couldn't, mentally couldn't do everything um, by myself. So um, I met Teresa Smith-Levin who has an organization called Central Florida Vocal Arts Mm -hmm. and they focus on music education and um, really, you know, bringing um, music lessons and things to children and to young professionals, young professional singers um, under 18. And so we just started, her and I just really connected, really, really, really connected. And what was really great about her is she is more logical and more detailed oriented. And we had, we're both are very passionate and, and I'd say, you know, kind of powerhouses, you know, both of us are like, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we can do this. But it was really great because I'm definitely way more of the creative. Like mm-hmm. I have these crazy ideas and she's the one that's like, okay, so this is how we going to pay for it. So you want to sing in outer space. So how are we going to make that happen? Or, you know, whatever it is. And so it's great now having somebody that, that what I like too, is that she's like, you bring the creative out of me. And so I feel like I finally found like my partner and Teresa has been probably the greatest thing that has happened to, to me and to operate all soul because she's had central Florida vocal arts for about four or five, five, five or six years now, six years. And so she's been through a lot of, a lot of, this nonprofit, the grant rating and things like that. So to have somebody that's that close and then somebody you cannot like, not saying cry to, but like, 
you know, there are times mm-hmm. that it's it's hard and you just and she's great because she's she's a friend and a, and a partner, you know. And so she's like, oh, no, you can come over. We'll have a glass of wine because I know this is hard, you know, or, you know, whatever. And it's not necessarily like something you could go and talk to your board about or, you know. And so I think it is it's really important to find those people that can help you. And, and what I'm learning, too, is finding people to come onto your board. It's one thing to have people like friends and, and people like that 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 want to encourage you, but it's also important to have people that can do things on your board. Well, like that's probably the most important, you know, because it's like, you can give me advice all you want, yeah. but what I physically need is help. Like I need people, you know, we needed somebody. So we have somebody who's, who's our accountant, you know, so they help us with our QuickBooks and our taxes and things. We're, we're currently looking for a lawyer. So if you have any lawyer friends that would like to join the Offered Also Board, please let me know. Um, but then we have people that are really great with fundraising and people that are really great with marketing and make our graphics and do this. And, and so together, even though we, we don't pay our board of directors, together we, we can have like a working a working business. Because it's just, yeah. it's, if I wanted us to grow it, just I needed people to help. Like you just can't like, I mean, nonprofit, we don't pay, I don't pay myself, but if I was the one that did everything, the grant rating, the bookkeeping, the contract rating, the scheduling of rehearsals, the, like the I four just, or five full-time jobs you're describing. Exactly. Yeah. So that's been the best. I think we're finally getting into this, this groove of things with our board of directors and, and everybody on, on whose roles work best and, and, you know, even what dates can we all, what can we all what dates can we all um, get together to have that monthly meeting? That was like something that took a while. So now we actually meet on the last Sunday of every month at nine o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning because it's like that was the only day that we could all get together. Makes so. sense. So let me ask you about this because I think when people are thinking about a startup mm-hmm. and whether it's a nonprofit or you're putting together an app or you're, you know, whatever you're doing, they often think that I maybe I have to do it myself because why would anybody help me? Mm-hmm. Or alternately, because I want to make sure that this is mine. Right. So I have this great idea and I don't want to share it. Mm-hmm. Were you, when you were going into it, how willing and able were you to really think about an advisory board? Like what if they pushed back? Or maybe finding uh, the uh, partner you know, were you wanting to do that at first or did you want to, were you like, no, I just want to do it myself so I can have control over it. Right. Well, I had actually started and I had brought on somebody where I was going to be the executive director and I had brought on somebody who was going to be the artistic director. And, um, and it didn't, it didn't work with with him. It didn't, we, at first we thought it was going to be great. And then we, creative differences and and so that i um i'm sitting right here you can just say that <laughs> no, it's, right. no, I'm just kidding. so um yeah and then there were people on my board that left you know because i, I they didn't like what i wanted to do or to do this and so I, like you said yeah i i'm still that way sometimes of it's mine and and i do uh, or what are you going to tell me to do you're going to tell me that i but you tell that's me i kind can't of, do it yeah that's, but there but really your board of directors is your boss like that's your boss it's like the government like president can't do everything. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. kind of everybody has to, you kind of still have to get permission or not like everything, but there's certain like, you know, big purchases or, or, you know, certain big decisions have to go through the board. Yeah. I think so what's I interesting. Think I, did I it, answer that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, in, in that sense too, you also have to 
remember that things may make sense in your head, Mm -hmm. but now you're having to not necessarily sell it, but communicate exactly the approach that you want to take. So let's say you're really, you're really into an idea Mm -hmm. that you have. It's a little bit out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and most of my ideas, most of your ideas are because it is, I mean, it is opera, but it's also taking it in a different direction, taking, doing it in a different way. And I would encourage people to go check out opera del soul Dot org and look up uh, some of the events that have already happened and definitely get to one of the events that will be coming up in August. And we'll talk a lot about that a little bit later because cool. I thought, is that public knowledge that, yeah. of what you, okay, mm-hmm. perfect. Cause that is, that sounds really neat on a number of different levels Thanks. and you're not making your life any easier by doing something so complicated and interesting and compelling. Thanks. And, and that's one of my things too, is I think you were just saying it's mine and, and I, and I want to do this, you know, and you keep yeah. it. And it's very easy to get yourself burnt out because you're like, okay, I'm going to do everything. I, I, it's got to be mine. It's got to be mine. And and that was something that I've been struggling with. And I still get about, you know, taking on too much because, again, I have a hard time asking for help or, you know, or having outside influences. And and I do suffer from, I get to the point where I, I do get like a burnout once in a while. And yeah, I'm like, you know, and, and I'm a Scorpio too. So I, I go, 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 go until I just like, you know, and then I'll sit in my pajamas for like 36 hours and like lay on the couch and not move, you know? But then it's like other days I'm like, okay, I'm running six hours of sleep and I'm going to yep. go here. We're going to do the radio. We're going to write this show. We're going to do this show. But then my real job, I'm in my hair, um, I have a real job, which is, you know, I work mainly in TV and, and commercials doing makeup and still trying to hustle and figure that out. Like, oh, what's that job? It's just like, I feel like I'm always all, over, all the over the place. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you uh, again about, you know, kind of bringing these ideas to the board. Mm -hmm. Have you found that you've changed in your approach in terms of how you, I I don't want to say sell it, Mm -hmm. but try to convince them that this is the right direction for Opera Del Sol, that this event will work, that this is, you know, something that you are passionate about, so they should be passionate about? Yeah, um, I think that there is a lot of, we've done a lot of compromising as we've tried to, you know, merge our organizations and our boards together on, on, on how can we still be these sister organizations with Central Florida Vocal Arts and Opera Del Sol, where we share our 501c3 and we, we share, we've merged our boards together, but how can we, can I still be Opera Del Sol and still be the sister? You know what I mean? So we've been trying to figure that out. Mm. Um, what were, Go back there. Like, I mean, how does it, my approach to, to the board? Yeah, it, it has changed because now it's not just, it's not just me. It's like, okay, so I have this organization, but I still want to make sure that my message still fits yeah. with the, with our parent company and our, and our overall, um, uh, like mission and statement and, and things yeah. like that. So yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I have a, you know, sometimes it, I do struggle with that because I am a creative and it's just like, oh, but I want it to be this way. But it's like, well, well, this is how much it costs, yep. you know, or this is, you know, I know you want to do it this venue, but this one, and it usually comes down to the money. That's usually, that's why Teresa is amazing and figuring out, okay, well, that's great. But, you know, what kind of funding do we need to get? And then also you have to plan things so far ahead of time. Like if you want to get a grant, the grant funding, you got to apply for the grants three, six months ahead of time to meet those, those deadlines. So, you know, you're like, okay, well, I have this idea and it, and then sometimes it changes, you know, because you're six months out having to try to make decisions. But once you get closer, you know, maybe, um, an actor got another gig or, or they got sick or, you know, something happened and, and, um, yeah, I'm, 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 
I'm learning on the on the approach. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I think that that's you know when you're a freelancer or an artist, it's it's sometimes it's hard to not be like this is mine. I want to do it my way. You know? Do you go in when you're pitching everybody on an idea? Do, or you like power point deck and or do you just try to speak from the heart as much as possible? Oh, yeah. yeah. And and so, I mean, I guess the past couple ideas, I'm really fortunate now. People are like, OK, Nicole, like this is a cool idea, you know. And so I'm like, you know, they're 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 starting to get on my side and they're like, mm. OK, what what does Nicole want to do now? Um, and so, yeah, my, my approach has definitely been, is started to be a little bit different. And I think it's also not that I'm becoming more of a realist, but it's all about starting to learn, you mm-hmm. know? And so I'm, I'm learning what, what can, what can we do, you know? And then, but also like, I'm starting to realize like, as long as you're passionate and you don't like give up, like you, I like, I really think you can do just about anything. And so I'm like, everything I've wanted to do, I've just about been able to do the next like I want to sing in outer space. I want us to sing in outer space. And sure. that's my next crazy idea. But I, I kind of have an idea of how to make it happen. Okay. Yeah. That's better than my idea of singing in the zoo enclosures. Oh, that's a good one though. Oh, <laughs> could be dangerous. I know. Could I put makeup on a tiger one, so dangerous. nothing scares me anymore. All right. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll come back to that, I think. <laughs> uh, you're listening to WPRK. I'm here with Nicole Dupre. Opera Del Sol Executive Director? Uh, art, uh, art creative Director. Creative Director. Mm-hmm. Thank you. OperaDelSoul.org is where you can learn more about that. And let's play a song and we'll yeah. come back. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, be back with Nicole Dupre. We've got to uh, talk about the event that you have coming up in August. And then just more about, you know, starting up some of the challenges that we faced and how to overcome that or how to think about that maybe in a little bit different way. If you've got a passion project that you're in the middle of, and just wondering if you're doing the right thing or not. You probably are. I think that's the main yeah. advice. And just keep going. Yes. So this is Nickel Creek, uh, an old song from their self-titled album, Ode to a Butterfly, which is appropriate for, I oh, think, nice. today's conversation. Yes. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. It's nearly Father's Day, and what do fathers like? As a father, I can tell you, they like a place where they can go and get all those half-done projects, three-quarters done. Get that at a local makerspace like MakerFX. Lasers, a CNC machine, 3D printers, table saw, welding equipment, and most importantly, a community of makers for finding new ways to do things, not to mention a bunch of new projects. The family membership is just $75 a month, and there are individual classes as well. Visit www. Oh, there's more. Dot makerfx. That's the letter F and the letter X. org. Now back to the show. Nickel Creek on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Ode to a Butterfly from their self-titled album from the year 2000. And six. That seems like eight gazillion years ago. Good morning. My name is Nick. Yeah. I do this every week. Every week I have a very special guest, Nicole Dupre. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Opera del soul.org. Um, if you don't know how to spell it, it's O P E R A. D E L. Oh, yeah. I was thinking people don't know how to spell opera. Opera of the sun.org. No, just kidding. It's opera del soul. 
org. You may need to register that now yeah. that I said it out loud. We are talking today about some of the interesting issues and challenges and ways that we've overcome our startups, our passion projects. Opera Del Sol is going to hit officially two years in August, I believe, uh, yes. established August 2017. But it was something that was probably rolling around in your head for a while. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the self-promotion aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be borderline shameless mm-hmm. in terms of talking about what it is that you're doing if you're going to go out and do some sort of passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are very protective often, especially if it's a creative project. So I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm Ooh. putting together, I'm not writing a book, oh. <laughs> I, but I'm just talking about examples of passion projects. Like they're, they're difficult to share or maybe you're scared to share them because people might judge you mm-hmm. and they might. And honestly, they probably will. Hopefully they'll judge you positively, but that's right. kind of what you need to do. When you started thinking about Opera Del Sol, um, and again, this is prior to August of 2017, how did you approach people about it to sort of get a gauge of, hey, is this necessary? Is this something you would do? Is this something you would attend? Is this something you're interested in? Mm -hmm. How often were you doing that? Was it every conversation? Did you have a way to break the ice with people after a while? Like, what was your approach to that? I think I was I was very fortunate to have people in my life that that really kind of saw, you know, the change that I wanted to make within the the performing arts. You know, I kept having, you know, I was director of community engagement for another um, opera organization in town. And um, I kept, you know, trying to suggest things that I just weren't in line with what with their mission. And so I started, you know, I, I had some just friends and mentors that were like, you know, if you, if you really want to do this, like instead of fighting this organization, not fighting, but, you know, trying to change somebody who already has a mission already, that's already been established for years, like trying to change their culture to, to you is going to be more difficult. Why don't, and really, I think it was more of those, I don't know. I, I think it was almost being so naive and they're like, you should really start. Have you thought about doing your own organization? I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I should. And, and then I just, I talked to a couple people and they're like, okay, yeah, I, we, this is great. We'll be on your board. And, um, I think it would just, it started to be more, I started asking a lot of advice on how to change the organization that I was with. Like, I think that we need to make opera sexy. Like I think we need to do, you know, there's demographic. I was part of these meetings and you know, the average perform the classical music goer in Orlando is 73 years old. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, I mean, seeing the audiences and I was just kind of like, you know, I couldn't even get my friends to like come to like the traditional operas and things, you know? And so I started to think, well, what if we did it? What if we did it different? And, you know, I work a lot my real job is in TV and, and you start seeing a lot of all the social media and being a makeup artist, you see things that are what, what's trending. What are these big visual, like, what, how can I do it different and make it this, make it art, you know, make it visually appealing and and big and beautiful. And I just had people saying, you know, that's a great idea. Like do it, do it. And then I just, I did it. it, You know what I mean? Probably, I, probably a little too soon, you know, you you leapt more than looked. Yes. Yeah. You know, that first show, I mean, we, the very first show we ever did was called opera wars. And it was a show that, um, that I had in my, in my, that was really what made me want to do opera del soul. I had this idea in my head where I was like, you know, there are so many people that 
don't know opera really, but there are certain songs that are famous. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. what if we kind of did this, you know, this, the show where we wrote English subtitles and we led up to what these songs kind of were about. And so we made this opera set it in outer space and, um, yeah, and then just highlighted like 12 pretty famous opera songs, but we kind of incorporated them into the story. And so we didn't even need the like super titles. And so something along that lines and, and I pulling on my special effects background, I'm like, everybody should be aliens and like this mm -hmm. and, you know, and so that was kind of my concept. And that was something that I had brought to the other organization and it wasn't it didn't quite fit their what they wanted to do. And then they were like, well, maybe you should change the story to this or to that. And, and again, we're talking about our ideas. I didn't want to change it. Like, I'm like, no, I, in my head, opera wars is like, what that has to be this way. And, and so I, I left that organization and, and, and that was the first show that we did. And we did that on Thanksgiving weekend of 2017. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my whole life was like, putting that together like how do you I started in August and and like you said self-promotion and how yeah. do I do this and and I think I was a little bit more um I was I was luckier in some senses because being a makeup artist I, I, and working in TV I had a lot of great media contacts and so right away it was I, I was very fortunate with how much press we got picked up and you know Matt Palm like called me and wanted to interview me. He's like, what are you doing? What is Opera del Sol? What are, you know? And I'm like, okay, people care. And, um, great. I, you know, Jim Hobart originally was, um, with Macbeth photography was originally like a board member, but then he's so busy that he, so, but he then helped get the promo photos and his, Morgan Walker, um, she works with him, did our videos and we were really fortunate. Like then we had this really great content, you know? So it was like these, you put that out there and it was just trying to do things that nobody else is doing, you know, like, okay, we want to take this old art form, but present it in a new way. And so I just relied on like my artsy background and, and the contacts that I had to really get it out there. Um, but you're doing, so what you're doing though is communicating it in a way that people might understand. So you're taking mm -hmm. it to social media and you're taking yep. it, creating video content and other mm -hmm. content that they might be able to understand a little bit more easily i guess how hard is it for you now like if you're just if somebody walks up to you and says hey i'm such and such what do you do how do you sell it or do you sell it to every person that you meet um i think so i think it kind of comes up it, it comes up a lot and yeah you know i'm creative director of you know founder and creative director of opera del soul we're this like new immersive opera company i'm trying to make opera sexy again and i'm really focusing on pop-up and immersive performances and really bringing opera to the people and that's kind of how i do it and people are like what and i think um adding and not and being confident with saying making opera sexy again. I think that was like having that confidence and being like, no, no, it's not traditional. It's sexy. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Well, maybe that's okay. You know, like, and so I think just that was, that was just a good marketing <laughs> sex <Did> sells. You, <laughs> I'm just curious if you at first, cause I think this is a challenge for a lot of people is to talk about what they're doing is, did you do kind of the shrug explanation? Like, well, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's opera, but it's sexier and you might mm -hmm. really like, never mind. I'm just going to walk away. Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. At first. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cause I think you have to do it 10,000 times before you get really to the point where you're comfortable. And, exactly. You know, people need to see that. Right. Mm -hmm. 
in yeah. terms of uh, your comfort level and what you're doing before they're going to they're going to want to follow you. They're going to want to go to an event. Right. Um, and that sort of thing. And I think that I was um, I was really lucky, too, because right, you know, after once we got through that first show in November and then we were approaching the end of the year, it was that was like the like probably the hardest time for me. It was it was really hard. You know, I had a couple board members leave, you know, um, I paid my singers very well, you know, um, so it was a matter of like, you know, finding the, finding the money. And, and, um, that was, that was just, it just was really, really, everything was just so hard. I just didn't, you know, know just how hard it was going to be. And so actually, you know, we have a, a mutual friend, um, Eddie with Pachakasha somehow, you know, he, I went to see Jim Hobart, um, do his Pachakasha speech. And I believe that was like in November or December. And then, um, somebody suggested to Eddie that I should do a Pachakasha. And so it started in December when I was like, oh, well, here I had this chance to tell everybody like what it is that I'm, that I want to do. So the next three months, I really focused on putting that deck, you know, a 20 slide presentation together, you know, and this six and six minute and 40 second, basically monologue of what it is, you know, what am I doing? How am I making opera sexy again? Mm. And I, that really helped me hone in on what I wanted to say, you know, and how I wanted to say it. And it gave me a really great, um, place like a, a format and um like a stage to tell everybody and i yeah. think that 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 really a helped lig- a literal and figurative stage yes interesting and, and i didn't I, think of that yeah and i think that that really changed a lot for me because it really helped me to really what are you doing nicole like how are you going to say this and how are you going to deliver it in a confident ma- manner too and, and i think it helped me with with um, being in that public eye and being, yes, I am the founder and at, at the time the executive director and, mm-hmm. and, and being the face because, you know, being a, a makeup artist and, and everything, I've always been behind the scenes. So it was one of those first times where it was just like, okay, I'm the face, I'm the cheerleader. Like I, and then I don't sing and I don't have a classical music background. Really, I am just opera's biggest cheerleader. And it's about figuring out that niche that I think in our community isn't being filled and really having an impact on our artistic identity as a city is why I'm what I'm most passionate about. And it was getting over the fact of, you know, I don't speak Italian. I don't know necessarily the, all the ins and outs of opera, but I can tell you that I'm more passionate than anybody else that you'll ever meet about it. And I think that's kind of like, I just finding that confidence of, of who, of who I wanted everybody to know that I was. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So and I think that, I, I think that when it comes to a passion project, everyone has it out there, but again, it's, it's the fear and the overcoming the fear of sharing it. Yes. Right. Like mm-hmm. I feel like often I'm being a burden to somebody. So I was just at the fringe festival mm-hmm. and I did this, what, and not to pat myself on the back, but this amazing event called fringe feels I had, I just added it up. I did 48 hours at the fringe amazing at total over nine days set up the typewriters people were able to write notes to uh thank and show gratitude towards the performers and the staff and the volunteers it was really remarkable amazing. but i felt like i was still putting upon people if i were to tell them about my show as well Aww. i got better towards the end right. again after you after you're doing something for that many hours mm-hmm. it gets a little bit easier after you're interacting but it still felt a little bit like 
you know, I, I don't want to bother people with this. Right. And I think part of that is until I really started listening to myself go, well, you know, this is fringe. So most of the people are going to be local. And the podcast that I do is all about local people, with the exception of two people out of the 120 something that I've interviewed. Only two have been from out of town. And one of them was my friend mm -hmm. uh, because he was down for something. And another one was a performer from the fringe. Great. As a matter of fact. So it's not like I'm going out there and looking for people from, uh, you know, elsewhere while they're touring or, you know, why are you going to be at the uh, the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center? Here, please come into my show. It's been really a matter of uh, dealing with uh, hyper local sort of opportunities and interviews. And so, yeah, when you're doing your passion project, you really have to get down to the nitty gritty of what your, for lack of a better term, I hate this phrase, the elevator speech is. Yes. Um, and I think that that's interesting that you, the Pachakacha format helped you mm -hmm. with that. And that's something that if, uh, for those people who are listening who don't know Pachakacha, it's a 20 slide presentation, but you have 20 seconds per slide. And it's on, on a, a timer. On a timer. It's on a track. You have mm -hmm. no choice when the uh, when the basically the slide forwards to the next one, mm -hmm. it's after twenty seconds, it's going right. So you have to distill down your message. Exactly, you have, you have absolutely one hundred percent no choice to do that. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting, especially if you want to tell a little bit of the history of it as well and get that down too. Exactly. So that's and, good. And 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 it was a great opportunity too to to get people. Excited. It was six minutes and 40 seconds to, to start and be like, you know, how many of you, when you think of opera, you think of this and, it, you know, big, you know, the big lady with the cone brawl and, you know, the horns on her head. And then like the next slide was, you know, Bugs Bunny, you know, and it was just kind of this lead up and, you know, this is, you know, what if we told opera differently and, and, and really, and I don't know, just helped. It just helped me so much that format, you know, and, and, you know, just the timing and, and the breaths and just being confident in the way that you say it and just getting it out there. Like I, that just, it just really, that had helped me because I'd never really been, I'm not a, I'm not a performer. I have never acted or, or sang mm -hmm. or danced publicly. It's always been behind the scenes. So th that was everything in that was new to me. You know, I'd never been um, done any really public speaking, memorized a monologue or even performed. So there was like so much in it. And I felt like, I don't know, that was one of the, the turning points for me, yeah. I think. I think yeah. I probably would have give, given up maybe had I not, you know, come that December. I, if I hadn't been given that opportunity, there could have been a chance that I started that new year being like, okay, no, this was this was too hard. I think I always look back on that and I'm like, that. I don't know. Pachaka Show was one of the best things I ever did, I think. Good. Well, let's mm -hmm. leave it at that for now. We're yeah. already at the end of the first oh. hour. Oh. Yeah, I'm right. a joy to talk to. Uh, <laughs> so let's are. play a song, The Skin of My Country, yellow, of My Yellow Country Teeth, excuse me, by Clap Your Hands and Say Yeah. Oh. I think you'll like it. I think it'll get us awake okay. today. And we'll dance here because we dance behind the scenes on uh, Odd Numbers on WPRK, yeah. Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd I just said that. You're listening to Odd Numbers. I'm not good at this. You're great. That's okay. so wonderful. Thank you so Dance much. party happening now. This episode was recorded live on May 27th, 2019 on WPRK 91.5 FM. You will hear things on WPRK that you won't hear anywhere else. 
How come? Why does this happen? It's because the station's on-air programming, all the DJs, are volunteers. If you want to be a volunteer, and you have a show idea you want to pitch, or maybe you have some music you want to submit for on-air play, get to WPRK.org and talk to the wonderful students who help keep the wheels of college radio rolling. Uh, the wheels on the college radio go round and round. There's always something interesting happening, so listen early and often. Now back to the show. Good morning, my name is Nick. You're listening to WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This is Odd Numbers. Before the break, we heard from Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, The Skin of My Yellow Country Teeth. And right there, we listened to Lyle Lovett from the Quiz Show soundtrack. That was way back in 1994, so 25 years ago, about a year before my guest was born. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was uh, Moritat, also commonly known as Mac the Knife. Good morning. My name is Nick. My very special uh, 25-year-old guest. Oh, thank you. Sorry, 24. uh, (laughs) Is Nicole Dupre from Opera Del Sol. You can learn more about Opera Del Sol on a lot of the social medias, but the website is operadelsol.org. We're pretty proud of our Instagram, too, so go check that out. Very nice. Very nice nice Instagram you have there. (laughs) Uh, I'm so glad you're in today. We've been talking about having you on for a while. And, of course, you and I know each other from way back. Yeah, it's been years. Everybody with uh, some sort of uh, deviation from my name, I know. Right. Nicholas, Nicole, we're all in the same club. We are. We all know each other, Mm -hmm. of course. We meet up in November. Yeah. Yeah. meet up. (laughs) Nikon. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so we'll get together then, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the event that you have coming up in August, yeah. Mikado. And, uh, the context of it though, is sort of opera del sol. And what you do is take opera and try to introduce it to a new audience in different ways. And the reason I wanted to play that song, um, is it's a, it's, it's a pretty dark song. So mm-hmm. it's originally from the beggars opera also known as the Three Penny Opera. Mm-hmm. And it's been covered quite a bit. So Mac the Knife is a favorite. You mentioned it's a favorite of your dad's, oh right? Oh my God, he loves it. Mm-hmm. It's his karaoke go-to. Oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. But the actual words translated to English are really dark. Mac the Knife is not a good dude. He's a very bad dude. He's a hired gun. He is. He will do any crime you want. And that's why he's called Mac the Knife. Nice. And so hearing that version by Lyle Lovett, you have some interesting concepts there one is you have this country artist someone who normally wouldn't be singing sort of an opera song or what is for us traditionally known as a jazz song right you have the original word so this beautiful song but it is dark it is incredibly dark not just i'm sad dark not just my lover broke up with me dark it's about murder and other uh terrible things Mm -hmm. and it's it's you know a bit slow and a bit you know and it's even from the quiz show movie which was about sort of a this big public betrayal in the 50s i think with one of the uh uh, one of the televised game shows that were out there so somebody was caught cheating uh, in that and so that was part of it but it's way too dark even for that but it's taking something again and changing it into a different way, an unexpected way. Right. And so I thought that was a good transition to talk a little bit about what you're doing with the Mikado. And in general, what we're talking about are challenges that we face, right, in terms of putting together a passion project. Whether that, I, I keep going back to writing a novel because I think that's a, that's a pretty common one for people. But 
you could even be starting a business or starting an organization or trying to do something outside of what you do on a day-to-day basis. And typically a passion project to me also means that it's not necessarily one you're looking to make a ton of money on. Right. It's something that you want to do because you feel it's necessary. Right. So the interesting thing about bringing things back um, from the past, especially, is there's certain challenges with the context yeah. in which they were created, the history and sort of the the changes that we have in society over the course of that time. So could you explain a little bit about what the Mikado is for people who are not familiar with it? Yeah. Um, so the Mikado um, was written in, I believe, like 1899. It's a, a Rogers and Hammerstein um, English operetta. Um, so, you know, it isn't English. And so back then, um, what they wanted, they were trying to do is they wanted to write a comedy and actually make fun of the British government, mm-hmm. but you couldn't do that. So what they did is they set, you know, they took all these jokes, but then they made everybody Japanese and set in, in ancient Japan. And the Mikado is a geisha in training. And so um, the whole thing, you know, a lot of people don't perform the Mikado anymore because they, um, they, there's a lot of cultural inappropriate um, stereotypes and and um, comedic or what they thought was funny. You know, it at was the time, at yeah. the time. And and, you know, traditionally in opera, you know, you they're Caucasian people. You know, it's a your classically European art form. So, you know, it's not until I think, you know, the last like couple decades have we started to get a, a much um, greater diversity within within this this genre. And so um, a lot of people do not do the Mikado because they don't want to do basically like yellow face, you know what I mean? Making mm-hmm. Caucasian people Japanese. And and actually that's something with um, Madame Butterfly, which is a very famous um, opera and one of my very, very favorites. Um, I did that once in Minnesota where everybody had bleach, like bleach blonde hair, blue eyes, and then I had to make everybody Japanese. And that was kind of the first time that I started to think, you know, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't right. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You you can't. And some people, you know, may, might, might argue, you know, on that because it's art and you're, and you're playing a character. But, you know, I just think that if we really want to make things um, relevant, you just, you have to take that into account. And so with the Mikado, they, you know, they would, you know, long teeth or they, they actually, um, in a lot of the old productions, they literally tape, taped their faces back oh, and, wow, yeah. and, and things like that to really give that illusion of, of looking Asian. And so what we decided to do with the Mikado is kind of like what I, what I started to call the kind of opera deconstructed. And in a way that we can talk about the the story and we can talk about it and, but still preserve the music. Like how can we take some of these really great comedic songs and, and the story itself and still figure out a way to, again, preserve the music. And so what we did is, um, Teresa Smith, um, Levin, my, my partner, she kind of, she went through it and we took out anything that any sort of joke in any of in the context that was okay this isn't appropriate this isn't appropriate and there was a couple times we actually kind of updated a few things you know there's a oh in one scene they list out a you know like eight different um jobs you know mm-hmm. and they were like old jobs and so she threw in some like you know updated you know jobs and you know podcaster or whatever you know social, she media, influencer, social media influencer yeah, those sure. kinds of things um and so what we decided to do is we 
did as much. Um, we've got a very, very wonderfully diverse cast. Um, we have someone named Arissa Sullivan. She's um, a Japanese. She's Japanese American, and she will play or will actually play the Mikado, which is usually um, a male kind of um, kabuki-like character. And so that's kind of fun that we we are kind of doing that spin, and we're going to have um, a woman in that role. And then um, we have a twenty-two piece orchestra, and we aren't going to have the entire set. It's going to be kind of a concert version. So um, we don't, it's, it's again, figuring out how can we tell this story and not make fun of this culture and not, you know, but still, you know, celebrate this music. And so um, we're not, we're not doing makeup or, or full costuming. The costumes that I'm, I'm creating are more influenced, you know, maybe with, um, you know, the, the kimono like wrapping you know, mm-hmm. around the waist and, and, and more bell like sleeves and, and things like that. Um, but we didn't want to, you know, and plus see, um, one of the things that the reasons that this is so important to me is my dad is married to a Japanese woman, my stepmom and him have been married for 31 years and I have um, a half Japanese brother. So the Japanese culture is really, really in, important to me. And actually my stepmom works for the Japanese consulate general in Atlanta. And that was like another thing that I didn't want to put people in, costumes because I mean we can't afford real traditional amazing komodos and to me it was like I don't want to put like equivalent of bathrobes on somebody when you know my my stepmom works for the Japanese government and and I just have such a respect a respect yeah. for that culture and it was like I just wanted to figure out ways to highlight this music and the story but still make it culturally appropriate and start a conversation so one of the things the opera also likes to do too is we like to do lead-up events so I'm planning some things and I've been talking to the Japanese American Society here locally and, and figuring out you know what can we do what are some really cool things that we can still bring in this Asian influence and Japanese influence and talk about it without whitewashing it and being like okay I'm this white woman let me tell you about Japan and 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 it was just really important to me how can we make that connection and and start a conversation without uh, being offensive you know because I think that if we're going to take an art form that's 300 plus years old there are going to be stories and content there that aren't appropriate for today and and that's kind of what do we do do we do we not sing it do we not perform it do we not go see it or do we say okay well maybe we can update it or maybe we can talk about it and and deliver it in a new way because i just i don't want to see certain pieces die when they don't need to you know sure so so let me ask you this in the lead up to this event it's mm-hmm. coming up in august you're starting to talk about it now mm-hmm. How does the generation of content, the feeding of the beast, mm-hmm. right? The internet is, um, especially when it comes to social media, is all about the algorithms. Mm-hmm. So you have to play the game, the Instagram game. You have to play the Facebook game. You have to do all those things. Yeah. How are you and what have you learned so far from the events that you've done? How are you going to approach it in terms of creating content distributing it and trying to get people hyped up for the event. Yeah. Um, what I really like to do is, is so what we're going to do is um, like, we're thinking of like Japanese traditional Japanese tea ceremonies, maybe some sort of brunch or a place where we can make um, uh, origami or things and then use that within the set. We're still trying to figure out what, what can we, you know, what exactly is it that we're going to do? But So events, mm-hmm. for example, events, like yeah, events lead up or events. something. Yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit about some of the ones that you've done in the past. So for example, from a promotional standpoint, mm-hmm. 
you not only want your eyes and or your social media channels mm-hmm. talking about this, you want other people exactly. talking about it as well. So what are some of the things that you've done for that? Um, so last year we um, we did Fringe last year. And so um, a lead up to that, we actually did something. So the show that we did for Fringe was called Mozart and Marie. But we did a lead up event called Mozart's Muses. And we did it in collaboration with Face of a Feminist, um, Laura Diaz, who's now down in Tampa. But we kind of, um, cross promoted. So it was like, okay, here we are. Let's talk about. And it was also when I merged with Central Florida Vocal Arts. So it was like, okay, let's do something where we can talk about our friend show, but then still make it a little bit different. And so it was um, something like that. And we had it at the Mez and we had people donate desserts and we had created a photo booth and photo opportunities and like really push people, take pictures, check in. And, and that was, that was probably one of our most successful. I mean, we had like 200 people come to, to that and that was amazing. Mm. And then because of that, then we literally sold out our fringe show, like within the first two days of a fringe, all three shows. And so that was really, that was really cool because then it gave us an opportunity to talk to people and, and get up there. And we created the program, you know, before each little number that we did, we would say okay this is what the song is about or this is what we're doing and we added burlesque and you know and sexiness and this is what we're doing because like opera of the time like a lot of you know it's a love sex passion betrayal like that's what opera is about and so it's just creating events that I think highlight what the message is and then um I think you know what we need to do we can't you know so many theaters don't want you to take pictures and and video record sure. but then when you're starting out, like, you I think content. that's, that's the content that we need. Yeah. And that's how we, I mean, that's how I think how we're going to make everything survive. You, you have to create, that's, that's the society that we live in, you know? And so that's what I, every time we do something, I'm like, we need to create some sort of photo opportunity, whether, whether it's some sort of step and repeat before you get there, um, a photo opportunity with the singers afterwards, um, and things like that. And then, um, let's see what else other things that we do. I think that there are, I'm trying to think. So looking at the mm-hmm. Mikado coming up, yeah. I can see where a Japanese tea ceremony or uh, an origami little mini workshop, say, yeah. maybe in the middle of Orange Avenue. I'm not saying you should do that, but that sounds like really like yeah. a lot of fun and would get attention. Maybe not the right kind, depending on your permitting. Uh, <laughs> but that sort of thing, you know, it takes some forethought. It takes some planning. Mm-hmm. But what I'm thinking is the the hardest part, I think, for people, especially if you're trying to run around and get everything organized and do it, is who's taking the pictures. Right. So, right? so do you have somebody come in and mm-hmm. uh, do that specifically so you don't have to worry about that part? Yeah, we, we have um, like two or three people that um, that are really great to us that will come in and and for like a smaller fee or, you know, or tickets to the show or something that will actually do that for us. And then we, um, we have somebody wonderful, his name's, um, Gontran and he's actually, he was the fringe photographer and he's Mm. one of our, one of our great photographer friends because, you know, when we do things, we really focus on trying to make it sexy in our costumes and the hair and the makeup. And so it was also kind of about collaborating, you know, if you take pictures, how do you want to take them? Okay. We can take them like that. And then it creates, then he has really cool pictures of, you know, women in corsets and cool wigs and cool makeup. And, and it's finding those, what I'm starting to realize is, is those collaborations. Like that's how I think that we've started to figure out like, who can we work with? Who can we use? What, where can we go? And and what kind of collaboration can we have? You know, and that's been, I think the biggest, the biggest thing that's helped us succeed over the last year is all the different collaborations that we've been doing. Nice. 
when I think about, okay, so you now you have the content. Mm-hmm. When I think about, you know, some of the ways I've approached social media over the last few years um, since the show launched about three years ago, a little over three years ago, I, I don't know that I'm doing it right. Right. And I think that's one of the best and worst things about social media is the mm-hmm. algorithm will keep you on your toes. Yep. But you also don't know what the right formula is. I'm a, I would like to have a formula. I would like right. to know, you know, approximately what I should be doing. So I've gone, I've been posting multiple times per day, depending on the channel. Mm-hmm. I just use some of them to repost stuff from other channels. Uh, I'll go once a week sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll go longer captions. I'll go shorter captions. What is your approach or what do you think after doing this for a couple of years for an event-based type of organization? What do you think works and and what's your I guess what's your involvement in that part of it? I I think during during a show I probably post probably at least once a day. Um and it's all about I think what I'm starting to realize that people really like is the process. I love showing people the process and mm. the behind the scenes and, you know, and when we're making our costumes or we're buying the wigs or we're going through the auditions or having rehearsals, it's creating content, creating, you know, um, a reposting of your singers or, you know, and um, one of the things we did um, last year for the, sh- the big show that we did in August is we had this really cool, sexy photo shoot you know, and everybody in evening gowns. And since it was a masquerade, we, we borrowed um, some really great masks from embellish FX over in college park. And, and we just took tons of really great and amazing photos. And it's just about just what I'm all about making it visually appealing. Like what, how does this look cool? Maybe it's a boomerang, maybe it's a video, maybe it's a meme, maybe it's some sort of cool graphic that I made or something. But you, I think that especially during show weeks, you got to you got to post it. And then, um, the biggest thing, and I guess I learned it from Gary V. He's like, I don't know if you listen to Gary V. He's like one of my favorites. Um, but the Facebook ads are really great. And I'm starting to realize too, is the hashtags, the hashtags will get you more followers the way that the Instagram, um, algorithm, like if you ever go on there, you see how it has like suggested videos and things. Um, once in a while it'll tell you, Oh, well you liked six things with the hashtag opera today, would you, or this week, would you like to follow that? And, and it's just hit and miss. And, but I think the best thing that I'm the feedback that we get is, um, the comments on our social media, mm-hmm. you know, and I think getting people a part of the process is, I, has been for me, what I think has gotten people to, to kind of fall in love with what we're doing. Nice. All right, well, let's leave it there for now. Let's take uh, a break and listen to a song. Thank you for all the good advice that you're giving out for free. Thank you. On the radio. Yes. (laughs) Uh, uh, So it's uh, approximately the first day of summer. We're really considering it that. um, And so it might rain Mm -hmm. here because we are in Florida and this is Orlando. So let's play Right as Rain from Adele. Ooh. She's one of my favorites. She's pretty great. Oh my God, that voice. She's pretty great. On Mm -hmm. WPRK, Warner Park, Florida, you're listening to Odd Numbers. Oh, and sorry, if you want more information about the Mikado, operadelsoul.org. Thank you. Hey, let's take a quick break to thank you for listening to this episode of To a Certain Degree. It's hard for me to ask for your support because you're already doing so much just by listening. If you do have the time and the inclination, subscribe to the podcast. Follow the show on your chosen social media platform, whatever you want. 
And if you can do more, let me know what you think. Email me, leave a review, DM me, whichever channel works best for you, it works best for me. Again, I really appreciate you being here, being present, sending me presents, like your ideas and thoughts and dreams. Send me your dreams. I don't know what I'll do with them, but send them to me anyway. And now back to the show. Adele on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from her album 19. I think that's from 2008 or so, somewhere around there. That was right as rain. I don't know that that's how she wanted me to pronounce it. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers. This is Odd Numbers, episode 18. I do this show every other week. Um, And then the regular show, to a certain degree, I do every other week. So it goes back and forth. But one of the things we're talking about, uh, my guest and I, Nicole Dupre, is here from Opera Del Sol. Good morning again, Nicole. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Is sort of, you know, when you're doing this passion project, when you're doing something, you have to figure out sometimes ways to save yourself some time. Mm -hmm. How do you do something that is time intensive week after week and set your deadlines and complete whatever it is that you need to complete, especially when you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder. Like this is a side project. You're not, you don't have a boss necessarily. You don't have people yelling at you to get stuff done. You don't have the deadlines except for the ones you set for yourself. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that my takeaway from doing this for three years was doing a full interview with a new person every week and then turning that into a podcast because of the way I approach it, and maybe it was too labor intensive because I listened to the whole thing and I want to make sure that it sounds good and everybody's well represented, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. And what I was also realizing is that I can't bring people back. So if I wanted to have somebody back on, I only had one format, which was an interview, and I've already done an interview with that person. Right. So you can't really come back. So I introduced Odd Numbers late last year because I wanted to have people back. And because I wanted to, for to some extent, save some time. So I don't have to necessarily listen to the entire thing. Or in my case, when it comes to the, um, the to a certain degree format, is prep. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to get together the bad business ideas. I don't have to get together the 20 questions. And, you know, I like to have stuff ready because I feel obligated to the, really the main audience member who's my guest to make sure that they have a good experience. What have you learned uh, about two years in on Opera Del Sol in terms of, okay, I have to measure where I'm doing things in terms of time and what's really worth my time to do? Yeah, I have to say that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I that I struggle with. You know, I, I used to be like, oh, I love this Tina Fey quote. You know, you say yes to everything and figure it out later. You know, and I'm like, oh, well, if it's good for her, it's good for me. And so, yeah. you know, you just start, I started, you know, getting on every board that I was asked to be on, you know, start a neighborhood association, like, and it just started to be, um, I, that's something that I do struggle with. And I think that I'm learning, I'm, I'm just, I'm just learning, you know, just, I think to, um, to do lists are a big thing, you know, to me, it's just like, because I, since I am a creative, I have the worst ADD. So it can be like, oh, opera, oh, look, there's a bird, you know? And so I feel like I have to kind of always, if I'm going to do something and I want to stay on track, 
it sounds cliche, but to-do lists, you know, if I can see it and then I can cross it off and it can keep me, keep me on track because I'm involved in so many different things. And then I'm always like planning other, like all over the place. Mm. And so that's usually, I usually have to be really um, disciplined in, in writing a, a to-do list. Um, but I also, I mean, I have dry erase boards like all over the place. So sometimes it's like, okay, let's just write this down or put it on a sticky note and we'll put it over there or we'll put it over there and we'll come back to it. Cause like I can, you know, it's, it takes discipline, I think, to just to try to, to keep yourself on board. And um, I'm really fortunate that Teresa, my, my partner is, she's really good at kind of keeping me on task sometimes. Be like, no, no, no. We said, we said that this was going to be due on Friday. Today is Thursday. But then she, I, you know, I think it's having somebody to keep you accountable. So she does for certain things, yeah. you know, cause I'm, I'm a deadline Mr. Easy easily, you know, I paid bills late on time. You know what I mean? Late just because I'm not as organized as I should be, you know? So it's just, I have to be more conscious about it, you know, and, and trying to just, not just go with the wind and, and again, yes, write it down. This is what you do. Put in your calendar, set those time timers to go off. And, and it's something I'm, I'm still struggling with myself, you know, on delegating and using my time to the best of my ability. Yeah. Have you ever looked at a project and gotten, you're, you're excited about this project. Mm-hmm. You really want to do it. And you're like, I need to scale this back. Oh yeah. Are you, in general, are you as happy with it? Are you satisfied with the project when you do that? Or do you feel like you're missing out on something? Yeah, I, a little bit of both, a yep. little bit of both. And I think that, you know, um, I'm starting to get a little bit more logical about things. You know, that that first that first show, Opera Wars, I'm like, yeah, the first show. We're gonna, it's got to be huge. huge. It's got to be big. Got the, the, the most expensive singers. We're going to make those costumes from scratch. We're going to projections, fog machines, break dancers. You know, we had a clown, we, a juggler, you know. And then I was like, okay, wait a second. Can't go in debt for every show. You know what I mean? How do we turn this back and figure out a different approach like I did have to scale it back and say, It'll okay, still be impactful. exactly. And so that's why it's like, you know what, until we, you know, the arts funding gets higher and we can get more funding and, and things like this, what are, what are high impact performances on a, on a lower budget? So I did kind of have to go back and this doing these more immersive and pop-up operas and, and things that where you can focus the art, like on small, you know, a smaller cast or in a funky place mm. or on a swan boat or popping up on the sun rail or, or the bus, like these are big, big impact, impactful different events. But for us, it's a, a much lower cost. And so I, that's something that I, I had to just get more. And when you're a creative and an artist, having to be like logical, like sometimes is really hard. But you're like, but I want it to be beautiful and big. And, and I'm really like, you know, I'm always like passionate about like everything. Yeah. And so it, that's been, that been a struggle. But now it's, I feel like we're starting to find our groove and, and where, where can, where are we, what can we do that's new and different? And, you know, and so that's, I'm learning, you know, absolutely. I I think it's interesting too, because you're, you're talking a little bit about, you know, you want it to be a great event, but you have to be able to see it as a great event in different ways. Yes. Right. Like it's not just going to be a great event if it's as big as possible. Right. It can still be a great event. And from a creative standpoint, putting a box around things, whatever that limitation is, 
often makes you, and I know it's this also sounds kind of cliche. You were talking about to-do lists earlier, but it makes you more creative. Mm -hmm. Like I've talked to a lot of artists who've said, you know, an infinite, do whatever you want. The canvas is yours. It could be a 20 feet high and 20 feet wide, or it could be two inches by two inches. Mm-hmm. Um, is often more intimidating and harder to accomplish and pull off than if I were to say, okay, here's what you got. You got this budget, you need this many people, and you can have uh, these songs. Mm-hmm. And we want to do these songs, let's say. Right. That often helps you become a little more pragmatic, obviously, mm-hmm. but also in many ways more creative because you don't have you know, the ability to hire just 20 people, a right. staff, to right. do something. And and I really want to be an organization that like kind of curates our, our performances based, you know, based on, on the client or based on, the, you know, where we're going or what we're doing. So um, we've been hired by a couple, you know, we performed at the Equality Florida Gala in November, you know, where they, we were actually hired to curate a performance for them. Um, Sunrail, once we did um, in July of last year, we did this really amazing pop-up performance on board a Sunrail train or a, a Lynx bus. And then once Sunrail heard about that, Sunrail then hired us to create um a Christmas show. And so we did a show on board Sunrail for Christmas. So I rewrote the gift of the Magi and did it in a way that made sense on the train. Mm. So we did the whole performance. We drove from um, the downtown or the winter park location all the way to the last stop in Sanford or Deland and, and then came right back. Yeah, so people were really able cool. to go on and just mm-hmm. stay on just for the performance. Yeah. So it was a whole dedicated car to just the performance. And, um, and so yeah, I just wanted to, to be able to, you know, fall into that thing that we can we can make it what we want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be traditional and say, okay, this is, you know, we're going to do Traviata and, and we're going to, it has to be this way with all the costumes and all the chorus and all this. Well, no, that's not necessarily what we can even do, you know? So how do we still have this really cool impact and still make opera sexy and make it cool? Um, and it's just figuring it out, I guess, you know, just kind of. The opportunity with Lynx, the opportunity with Sunrail going on. Opportunity. Oh, boy. <laughs> Puns are our friends. Yes. I'm really punny. Going on the Jim Colbert show mm-hmm. once a week mm-hmm. and doing, you know, the arts roundup that you do, I think, uh, on Fridays, 10 minutes or so, you mm-hmm. do a segment there. How did these come up for you? Because I think that, you know, obviously, again, it's it's about self-promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say self, I don't mean you're promoting Nicole, you're promoting Opera del Sol. Uh, so it's I, I still consider that self-promotion, mm-hmm. right? It's still, to me, I am equally embarrassed talking about myself as I am my show or anything else that I do kind of on the side. Oh, and it shouldn't be. I know. No, right? no, no. I, I completely well, understand just, that in my head, but, you know, part of it is, you know, it feels like I'm being kind of egotistical when I am talking about that stuff. Right. And I don't like to sound that way. Mm-hmm. Although I do feel like what I do is important. It is important. Very important. Okay. But how, you know, what kind of approach did you take to doing those things? Was it just people you've known over the mm-hmm. years from the work that you've done? Was there persistent, like, 
bothering of humans yeah. until you get what you want. Well, so it's, it's cool. I think um, a lot of any success that I think that I have had has been very um, much because of the relationships that, that I have made. And I'm very, very fortunate that, um, I don't know, I just, I like people and, I, and I've been very fortunate to have some really awesome, awesome people enter my life. And, and it's kind of a funny story. A few years ago, I um, chaired the Addy Awards and I was a fan of 104.1 and we needed a host. And I reached out to Sabrina Ambra from the News Junkie and asked her if she would host the show um, for us. And she did. And we've kind of remained. And I, had, I hadn't really known her before that. I just thought she had a cool voice. Like, I think she would do it. And she did. And we kind of stayed in touch. And she remembered that I had done that event. And in December, um, the News Junkie, that that radio show, did a huge um concert party called the just okay holiday party on december 15th it was downtown and they she contacted me and was like okay you know in three weeks we are doing this giant event we're gonna have like 2200 people we have the yin yang twins harvey danger and like all these other things but we don't have a stage manager can you be our stage manager and i was like yeah and so i went in there and like they weren't prepared. Like the crew was not prepared for me. Like, you know what I mean? It was kind of funny, but then I just, I took control and we did it. And I mean, the yin yang twins arrived late and drunk and, and all this stuff. And it was like this crazy thing. And at the end of the day, Jack Bradshaw, who's like, um, and, uh, Jim Colbert, they were backstage. He did like a little thing where they came on stage throughout stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they came to me at the end of the event and they were like, you basically, you kicked butt. Like, you know, if you, and then Jack, I had known Jack from, I used to volunteer at the Orlando City soccer um, games. And um, so I worked the the VIP, the owner suite and the media like level. So I got to meet a lot of people in, in, in media. That's how I really got to know Tom and Dan um, from the Tom and Dan show. And I had met Jack Bradshaw. And so at the end of the, the event, when we were breaking it down, he was like, Nicole, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. And I just said, well, you know what? Actually, I would like the opportunity to come in and talk to you. And at that point, like that was December 15th and I didn't quite know what I was, you know, I just knew that, well, maybe there's something like maybe I can be a part of the real radio family somehow. Sure. And so it took us a couple weeks to um, kind of figure out a time when we could both be available. And it was like actually really awesome. So it was like January 11th and I had just did um, makeup for Nikki Freed for the um, inauguration, like the, like the inauguration. So I literally was like driving back from Tallahassee, having had this really cool moment and I went in there and I was like, you know, and we sat down with him and, and he's like, so what's up? Well, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, you know, I would just love the opportunity to be a part of the real radio family. And honestly, I was going to say answer phones on the weekends, shadow. And he goes, I love it. What do you think? In like a 10 minute segment once a week. And I was like, uh, yes, that's exactly, exactly what I was like thinking, you know? And so then he's like, oh, well, let me, um, oh, I hear Jim out in the hallway. And I'm like, oh my God. So he goes and grabs Jim and then sits him down the couch. And he's like, so tell Jim your idea. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I wasn't thinking of a once a week segment, but then I'm like on the fly. I'm like, okay, behind the scenes. Like, I don't want to take Brendan O'Connor goes on there and does, um, you know, all the always talking about the cool stuff that's going on in the city, yeah, but I was like bungalower. from the bungalower. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, no, it has to be behind the scenes, arts and culture. I can do this, you know? And then they were like, all right. And so how about next Friday? Oh, and or, so he's like, we have to talk about it. And so then he called me and I was actually on the air at the airport, getting ready to go to Haiti, like about to turn off my phone. And he calls me. He's like, all right, can you come in next Friday? And I'm like, okay, like, 
I'm going to do this. So it, it was, so you called me on a Friday. I had one week to kind of prepare to start having a 10 minute segment. And now we're five months in and I, and I, it was just, it was just a matter of taking that opportunity, you know, and that's right. how I, that's how it happened. And that's usually kind of, that's usually kind of what I do is I just, you know what, like I know that I can do it, you know, and you just let me do it. Let me have that opportunity. And now like over these last couple of months, I, I fall, I've fallen in love with radio. You know, they, I'm Deborah, so sorry. No, I just love it. I mean, maybe it's maybe <laughs> all of a sudden I like hearing the sound of my own voice, you know, but, um, and that's, yeah, that's how I got that. I that like segment. how you almost went to an old timey. I know. I like, <laughs> I like the sound of my own voice. You see? <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Very nice. What about, okay. So now you have more obligations than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I, I, you know, I meant to say something earlier about this. I think when we're talking about, the things that we do that we're passionate about, you know, we often talk about the, the quote unquote real job. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is a real job too. You right. know, as much as I, you know, I think language is important sometimes. So when we talk about that, you know, you have a full-time job, you have a paying gig, you have something mm-hmm. that you also are passionate about, obviously, because you love doing it. Mm-hmm. I've seen your eyes light up when you're talking about it, even going up to, uh, to Tallahassee to work with uh, Nikki Freed on that, on the inauguration. Yeah. You're like, that's something that is important to you, but mm-hmm. that is your day-to-day uh, That's what pays my bills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool too, because I have worked one of my big clients for, for my makeup gig is um, a communications firm. It's called Kate Communications and mm-hmm. we do um, political ads. So for six years, I've been working with them. So I've had the opportunity to work on two of, the, of our last um, governor campaigns. And I've been working with Nikki Freed since since she made her announcement um, that she was running for the Florida um, uh, Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services. And um, so that was just amazing, you know, just being with her in the beginning and and helping her, you know, being her image consulting, picking out her clothes and, and doing all the commercials and being there and with the recount, you know what I mean? I don't know if people know, that was like kind of cool. Like on election night, they said her opponent won. She demanded a recount, ended up winning by 6,700 votes. And then wanted, she had me come up there for inauguration day and mm. I spent the entire day with her, you know, the motorcade standing next there, got to meet Governor DeSantis and um, Jeb Bush and like all these people and standing there. And I was like that. So yeah, that's... I don't know. I love that. That's my job. And it does make me passionate and working in and being that close and, and feeling like you're, you're a part of, you're a part of it. You know, I worked with Andrew Gillum and Sean Shaw and, and though we didn't win those races, it's been, it's always, it's exciting. I love being a part of that because it uses, I went to the International Dermal Institute. So I have a postgraduate degree in international skincare techniques, believe it or not. And so that's kind of where having that started to give me celebrity clients and, and high client clientele. And that's like my real job. Yeah. Went again. Mm-hmm. It's not a not a real job. Not, that's my day job. That's, that's my paying your, job. That's my paying nice. job. Paying nice. jobs. Uh, yeah. So from a time, you know, balance perspective, mm-hmm. you've just cut out sleep altogether. I would right. assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you I don't sleep, sleep like anymore. Four to six hours a night, probably. <laughs> Forty six hours a night. Four that's two, awesome. Six. <laughs> uh, what What has changed about you know in the last couple of years? What has changed in your approach to balancing out all this stuff? Like, is or has anything changed? No, I, I think I, somewhere along the, the way, I just got more busier. You know what I mean? I didn't used to be like this. You know what I mean? Um, so I just take, I, I just think that I just, I'm. Are you making more of the time that you have? Yeah, I yeah. think so. And I think, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm divorced. I'm single. I don't have kids. So it's just kind of like, this is, 
this is my purpose. This is my passion. This is what keeps me going. And, and I'm, I'm also, I kind of believe in, astro- in astrology. So I'm a water sign. So I think that that's part of my personality to always be moving, to always keep going. I always, and what keeps me going, I have to have deadlines and are like goals. Mm-hmm. Like I can't wake up and not have something to do. So that's just my personality. And so I just, I don't know, I just take things on and, and that sense of a, when you when you do something and, and you accomplish it, that's that to me is like addicting, you know, that that position of not of being a leader or, or a position of influence and feeling like you can make make a difference. You know, like after the hurricane, we um, I live in the milk district and there wasn't a milk district neighborhood association. Nobody re- representing the people who live there. There is a Main Street program. Zach Alfond, and he's a great Main Street director. But then we started our our neighborhood association, and then we originally had a vice or a president, and I was vice president. But three months later, she resigned, and so now I'm the president of the milk district. And and it's just I don't know. Sometimes I think the more you do, the more you you get accomplished, like the more you take on, because mm-hmm. then it's constantly, I'm constantly moving. Like I'm constantly moving. It's, I, I, I don't know. I went off on a tangent there, but like I don't balance and that's my problem. Yeah. But I mean, I think I've, I don't know, look at a lot of the most successful people. And I think that's the key. Like you just, just keep, keep just, swimming, just, keep, just going. keep swimming. Cause the more you move, like, a, you know, the more opportunities come yeah. to you and the more you learn, you know, if you, if you were to stop, then you can focus on your failures. But if you keep moving, they're not failures. They were just like stepping stones because you can keep moving, you know? Nicole? Yes. We have to leave. <laughs> I know. I'm like, look at the time. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Why would you be sorry? We just, uh, it flew by. I did fly by. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a joy to talk to. The best. I keep telling people that. How can we learn more about Opera Del Sol and what do we need to know about Opera Del Sol? Yeah. Please follow us on all social media outlets, um, operadelsol.org and Opera Del Sol on Instagram. And just stay tuned. We're going to, we just got done um, with our auditions and got all of our contracts out for, for the Mikado that will be coming um, to Orlando on August 8th. Then we're going to take it to the Space Coast the following weekend to Melbourne and Vero Beach. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. We're going to start, you know, showing you the process and and rehearsals will begin in a couple weeks. We're going to start making the costumes in a couple weeks and and um, just start telling the story. So we're going to start teasing you and getting you all excited about it. So And what venue is it going to be at? It's going to be at the Orlando Repertory Theater. Oh, very nice. That yeah, that's where really you spend your weekend with the Fringe, right? Venue, yes. I had a lot of fun there. And if anybody wants to see pictures of that, and we have one more day of the Fringe today. We do. Sort of Patrons a, picked, picked today. And if you don't know about the Fringe, I'm always surprised when people right. don't know about the big cultural events, whether it's Immerse or Fringe or Maker Fair Orlando. But I shouldn't be. We have so many people moving here all the time. Mm-hmm. We have such a wonderful variety of things to do. You know, whether it's in nature, you can go to one of the state parks or the beaches it's or anything here. like that. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot going on. But the Fringe Festival, if you have a chance to go today, it's almost like, I don't want to say a best of, it's what's called the Patrons Picks, mm-hmm. where the most popular shows in terms of yeah. ticket sales over the course of the two-week uh, festival. Right. There's... So it's you can see some really great shows still today. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just stay tuned for other events that the Fringe has coming up because they're fantastic and it's a really good organization. It's amazing. It's been incredible. I mean, thousands of performers, like 144 different shows. Yep. It, it's, it's, it's amazing to see that, you know, what an opportunity and, and people, it's a lottery system. So they kind of basically pick out of a hat who gets to have this opportunity. And, and I just think, I mean, we're 21 years is the... As 28. 28. Yeah. Wow. And people bring it. I mean, they bring their A game when mm-hmm. they do this because they know this is an opportunity to really shine in the community 
And often, you know, make a couple of bucks. So all ticket sales go directly to the artist. Exactly. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I have Rebecca Renner will be on next week. She's a local author here in Florida. She does a lot of really great things. So we'll be talking about that. Cool. And uh, we'll leave it at that. So let's shake hands and just yeah. wipe off my sweaty palm. Because I always think this does well yes. on radio. Yeah, <laughs> I should find a way to take a, a movie or video of something like that. I'll or you get, could, if you did a high five, people could hear it. I think that's too violent. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I would need some consent documents beforehand <laughs> to do a high five on the air okay. prior to. All right, so let's leave it with a song. I was thinking some Rilo Kylie, and this is from her self-titled album. Uh, the song is Frug. Which is a dance move, I believe. She oh. talks about it in the song. Oh, I'm going to go so frug it out. I, I will not be doing that, but <laughs> I will uh, be interpretive dancing my own way. Ooh, I love it. Rilo Kylie on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to Odd Numbers. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to Odd Numbers, episode 18. Where do you go from here? Opera, Del Sol, on the internet and on the Facebook. Also visit to a certain degree.com. That's T O A certain degree.com. Thank you for listening. I'll truly miss our little talks. The to be decided just started season four on their YouTube channel. What is the to be decided? I just said it's a YouTube channel. Who is the to be decided? The hosts are Miller and Davis. They tell some stories review music, and generally make some really great videos. When are the two be that's redundant? Miller is also responsible for all the bumper music on this episode, in case you were wondering. Check out youtube.com slash the to be decided for more. Back to the show.